Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I would be lost without my smartphone. I use it for directions, to find things to do, and most importantly, where to eat. I rely on it as a digital music player to enhance my experience as I explore a new place. Oh, and sometimes I even use it to make calls and stuff. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeart Podcasts, and how the tech are ya? So, I've got a whole bunch of shorter episodes that are focusing on individual big stories that happen in 2023. I used to do these massive tech stuff episodes that spanned maybe two hours of content to talk about the big tech stories that happened throughout the year. This year, instead, I'm doing individual shorter episodes where I can go into a little more detail in those stories and still cover the big stuff that happened. So first up, early this year... I said that 2023 was going to belong to AI in general and generative AI in particular. And I think it's pretty safe to say that ended up being a solid prediction. It was also an obvious one. I'm not going to pat myself on the back for that. But let's be clear. Artificial intelligence as a discipline stretches back decades, right? Mid 20th century and even earlier if you're talking about things like theory. And generative AI has been around for quite some time, too. OpenAI, which originally started off as a nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing artificial intelligence in an ethical and safe way, really shook things up in 2022. That's when they released ChatGPT, chatbot that's built on top of the company's large language model, or LLM. So the chatbot draws from the LLM. You can think of it that way. But this sparked essentially a race for second place. And you had companies like Google and Meta and Amazon, even Apple and more starting to explore ways to develop 
and integrate generative AI tools. In some cases, that race ended up producing a lot of questionable decisions, right? Uh, In an effort to try and catch up, companies were cutting quarters and launching products definitely before they were ready. Meanwhile, we've seen critics express concerns about generative AI in particular, and of course, AI as a broader concept. You've got creators such as artists and writers who worry that AI companies are using works made by humans to train up AI models, all without first securing permission from the original creators to do so. Ultimately, these generative AI tools can mimic real specific human creators. So you can tell a generative AI chatbot to write a story about a washed up author in New England who faces some supernatural threat with the added component of in the style of Stephen King, for example. But for a chatbot to be able to do that, it would first need to train on the works of Stephen King in order to grasp the elements of Stephen King's style and delivery in order to mimic it. The creatives say that these AI companies are exploiting works of human effort, and potentially, they're making it much harder for genuine creatives to make a living off their art in the long run. That is not a small thing, and a lot of those works aren't necessarily available for just public consumption. They're locked behind paywalls of some sort, so how did the AI model get it? Those are the sort of questions that these creators are asking. Generative AI, uh, artificial intelligence in general, and automation have all played into a lot of discussions about companies replacing human staff with algorithms and chatbots and language models. And this isn't a hypothetical thing. It's not like, oh, in the future, we're going to start seeing AI displace human workers, which has been a fear for a very long time, right? But over the summer, IBM's CEO, Arvind Krishna, indicated that in addition to putting on a hiring freeze across the company, he was looking at the long-term prospect of replacing thousands of jobs at IBM with AI. And he indicated that the first jobs that would be likely to go to the robots would be stuff like human resources positions. But throughout the year, we've seen two interconnected narratives play out throughout multiple industries. First, Due to the global economic situation, a lot of companies are scaling back significantly, and they are laying off workers left, right, and center. We've seen it a lot in the tech space, but it's not the only industry to have this happen. Secondly, with the rise of generative AI, we've seen some company leaders experiment with offloading tasks to AI-powered tools. Now, in ideal situations, The AI is meant to augment the work of human staffers, not replace them, but to make them more effective and more efficient, perhaps leading to things like a four-day work week. But in at least a few cases, including in the field of writing content specifically for the internet, we've seen a few companies assign writing gigs to AI-powered generative tools and to just eliminate the human element almost entirely. Even my old employer, HowStuffWorks.com, did that. And when the editorial staff raised concerns about the move, they were let go. Yikes. But there were other concerns as well. This year, we heard a lot about an issue called hallucinations. Now, that term is a bit wibbly-wobbly, as the Time Lord would say. It leads to a potential alternative label 
called confabulations. But either way, the output is the same. Sometimes generative AI hits a gap in its knowledge, but it is still compelled to give an answer to a request. And like a stereotypical dad in an American sitcom, it appears to be incapable or unwilling to say, you know what? I don't know that. And instead, it just offers up information that sounds reliable, but in fact, it's totally made up. To understand why this happens, it helps to have a very basic high-level concept of how chatbots form sentences in the first place. So deep down, a chatbot follows a statistical model to generate responses to queries. Based on the query, the chatbot evaluates numerous potential responses, and generally speaking, it picks the most likely word to come next in a sentence. If the model has access to real-world knowledge to fill out its response, it'll favor the real-world knowledge and include that in the answer. But if it doesn't, well, it might just fill in the blanks with words that are it deems are most likely, from a statistical point of view, to follow the previous words. The problem is that while the words might be correct from a statistical standpoint, they may not actually reflect the truth. So for example, according to Gizmodo, Google's own AI tool gave precise instructions on how to cook a poisonous mushroom with the scientific name Amanita ocreata, also known as the angel of death or destroying angel. So in other words, this is a seriously toxic mushroom. So the query was asking Google to come up with a way to cook the mushroom safely, presumably meaning safe enough so that you could eat it afterward. And Google's instructions included soaking the mushrooms in water in an effort to leach out the toxins. And it did say, like, you needed to be super careful and it might take a long time to do this. But here's the problem. According to Gizmodo, the toxins in Amanita ocreata are not water-soluble. It wouldn't work to soak the mushrooms. The poison wouldn't leach out in the first place. So the user would be left with mushrooms that were just as deadly as they were before you put them in the water. The AI tool should have recognized this and simply responded with something along the lines of, this mushroom contains deadly toxins with no surefire method of removing them and should never be consumed. End story. It shouldn't have come up with, maybe this would work because people could die if they actually followed those directions. Now, some of the stories about AI were more about not the technology itself, but rather our approach to it and our point of view of it. For example, Computer Weekly's Cliff Saren published a piece titled Few Organizations Have a Clear Strategy for AI. And Saren cites a study by a company called Mesh AI Limited that said only 15% of organizations have a clear strategy for integrating AI into their organization. Meanwhile, it seems like every organization is actually exploring AI to some degree. Obviously, not every organization is going to implement fully some half-baked AI scheme, but some of them certainly seem to be trying. And if there's one lesson we can take away from tech in general, it's that it's rarely a good idea to put a new, poorly understood technology to use. Still, there's a sense that if a company doesn't move in on AI soon, it's going to be left behind by its competitors. There's market pressure in place here that's at odds with the lack of a clear strategy. And the rise in interest in AI also fuels other parts of the tech industry. Specifically, 
Microchip manufacturers are rushing to meet demand. They're producing high-performance processors that are best suited for certain AI implementations. NVIDIA is the main example here where most people know NVIDIA as a graphics computer chip manufacturer that largely caters to gamers. But NVIDIA has really embraced making chips specifically designed to operate in AI implementations. And also companies that provide a lot of cloud computing functions are really getting into the act too. They're also stepping in because it requires so much computing power to run advanced AI operations. And so we're seeing a big spike in demand for those types of tech solutions. I've got more to say about AI in general and generative AI in particular in the year 2023. But before we can get to that, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town, I use my smartphone to look up things to do, or, most importantly, where to eat. In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road, into-the-wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry, the Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go. No need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. And we're back. So next up, I'd like to talk about 
The various stories around AI and perceived emergent capabilities. So that would mean cases where AI seems to be able to do more than what it was designed to do. Like the idea that AI is somehow learning or teaching itself things that should be beyond its capabilities. We've heard some folks express concern that AI is maybe smarter than we think it is and that this is going to lead to catastrophe. But we've also seen studies that say these concerns are based on faulty premises, that early studies used a set of metrics that gave us inaccurate pictures of what AI isn't able to do, that because the metrics were designed a specific way, it was almost like cherry picking your evidence. It was finding things that seemed to support a particular hypothesis and ignoring things that were refuting that hypothesis. And that when you adjusted those metrics and you did the study again, those emergent behaviors turned out to be nothing of the sort. It sounds like, at least for the moment, we're not having some sort of Skynet situation. However, as we close out 2023, right now, there are news stories about self-recursive AI models. That is, tools that can make changes to, and in theory, improvements to themselves over time. The science fiction standard of an AI that improves itself in cycles that increase in frequency and then diminish in the amount of time it takes to do them is one that comes to mind, right? If you've got an AI that's able to improve itself and presumably do so at a level that's at least comparable to humans, if not better than what humans can do, then you could get into this situation where it's making these changes and improvements in cycles that are happening faster and faster and you have a runaway train on your hands. These are the scenarios that come to mind when people cite things like the tech singularity, or perhaps even a potential existential crisis for humanity. I think it's still largely science fiction. I don't think it's something that we need to necessarily concern ourselves about in real time, but it is one of those things that reinforces this fear, uncertainty, and doubt, or FUD, about artificial intelligence. Now for a few specific stories that happened throughout the year. Judge Beryl Howell ruled over this summer that AI-created works are not eligible for copyright. Judge Howell determined only works from human authors can be copyrighted, which is huge, right? Because if you're using AI to generate all your content, but you can't copyright that content, you might not be in as strong a situation as you think you are. One, the content may not be very good. And two, you have no ownership over it, right? You have no way to protect yourself if someone just lifts your content and uses it somewhere else because you cannot copyright it due to the fact that it was not a work from human authorship. Over in California, a group of artists brought a lawsuit against the companies Midjourney, Stability AI, and DeviantArt. They were making the case that these companies misused the artists' own copyrighted works while they were training up their own AI models. And the judge in that case dismissed charges against both Midjourney and DeviantArt because they were using tools made by the third defendant in the case, Stability AI. The judge did indicate that the plaintiffs could file an amended complaint and include the other two companies if they amended the complaint so that it was relevant. And... Out of the three artists who were part of the uh, lawsuit originally, only one had her claims really make it out of all the dismissals because it turns out the other two had not copyrighted their works. 
the copyright infringement only works against the person who did take the time to copyright their works. It remains unclear how the court will rule if training a generative AI model on an artist's work without their permission amounts to copyright infringement, but we'll have to keep our eyes on that in the following year. And OpenAI was in the news an awful lot this year. The company unveiled GPT-4, which is the latest version of their large language model. They started taking on enterprise clients, companies that want to tap into the power of that language model to do various things. ChatGPT got access to current events. That was a big deal. When it first launched, ChatGPT could not access any information that came after September 2021. That's as far up as it could access info. However, now it has access to the internet, so it can pull from current events. Another big ongoing story was how OpenAI's CEO, which was Sam Altman for all but a couple of days this year, more on that in just a second, He met with various leaders and regulators around the world, and the purpose of those meetings was to discuss potential regulations for AI, because obviously a lot of legislators have concerns about artificial intelligence. So how can we allow for the continuation of development so that, say, the United States doesn't fall behind other countries, while also preventing potential disaster? Now, clearly, Altman has a vested interest in the outcome of these discussions. And in fact, some critics worried that Altman's suggestions were really calculated to just make it harder for smaller AI startups to catch up to open AI and thus give the leader in the field even more advantages. And Altman, according to these critics, wasn't trying to make AI safer, but he was trying to slow down the competition. This brings us to the massive story of Sam Altman being unceremoniously fired by the board of directors, only to be welcomed back to the company literally days later. It's been quite the roller coaster ride. So Altman had appeared at OpenAI's very first developers conference. He had made several high profile announcements about the direction and future of OpenAI's products, like its large language models and its chatbot. And then Not long after he finished up at this developers conference, he gets a message and he has to attend a Zoom call with the board of directors. And that's when he finds out, bam, he's been fired. Now, that last story has a lot to do with the gap between the original vision of what OpenAI was supposed to be and what it actually has become. Now, as I said at the beginning of this episode, OpenAI started off as a nonprofit organization dedicated to developing useful ethical, and safe artificial intelligence. But AI is really expensive. And in an effort to fund the operation and not just constantly be begging for funding from various parties, Sam Altman created a for-profit arm of OpenAI. And since then, the company has made some very aggressive moves in the artificial intelligence space, sometimes with Altman issuing statements that made it seem like even he thought it might be a bit much and a bit too aggressive. And yet, the aggressive moves kept on coming. And it reached a point where the board of directors, who were people who were originally part of the nonprofit OpenAI version, were really concerned enough to relieve Altman of his job. But the backlash following that move prompted a near total shakedown of the board, and Altman is back in the driver's seat. Because whether the concerns are relevant or not, You had parties like Microsoft, which has dedicated $10 billion in investments to OpenAI over the near future, 
And without consulting Microsoft first before firing the CEO, it really shook up the apple cart. So we see that commerce can overpower concern, right? (laughs) I think it's safe to say that every year from here on out is going to be AI's year for good and for bad. And 2023 certainly qualified. AI was part of stories that were even outside the world of technology. It played a part in Hollywood negotiations as both the WGA and SAG-AFTRA went on strike. Both unions expressed concerns about AI's role in entertainment moving forward. So I expect we'll see lots more stories in that vein as we move forward. But that's an overview of AI and generative AI in 2023. We'll be back with more short episodes about big tech news stories throughout the year over the next few days. I hope you're all well, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday... My newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.